All right, so we're kicking off our message series, Jesus Shaped, today, which is a seven-week message series going through the book of Colossians. It's going to be a good time together. I think it's going to stretch us. I'm guessing a lot of us, if you're here today, might have read Colossians, but you might not have dug in as deep as we're going to do across these next seven weeks. So I invite you just to, to really dig in, to get ready to go deep into God's Word together. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the letter of Colossians. And as you're doing that, I have a question for you. How much of your mind is taken up with the problems in your life? Now, if, if you're like the average person, you're thinking a lot about the, the issues you have. You're thinking about the relational challenges you're having right now, maybe the stuff with family. You're thinking about financial challenges. Maybe you're thinking about, you know, how do I, I need to take my wife on more dates. What do I do? I've kind of forgotten how to do that. So how do I take her on good dates? Maybe you're thinking about your receding gum lines. Maybe you're thinking about, I don't know, what's the thing you're thinking about? And if you're like the average American these days, you're not just thinking about it, but you're Googling for it. You're trying to figure out what's the best strategy to deal with this problem you've got going on. Uh, I looked at a, a list recently of the, the most asked questions on Google. And it's just you, it's all the stuff you'd imagine. People just asking questions, asking Google everything. I think the number one most asked question is how many weeks in a year? Uh, feels like something we should have learned maybe in like second grade, but that's okay. No judge, judgment-free zone here. Uh, but there's, there's problems we have, answers we need. And in, in our world today, it seems like whether you're a Christian or you're here today and you're not a Christian, there's, we, we're looking for strategies. We're looking for how-to guides. We're looking for what's the step-by-step -step answer to the problem I have so I can no longer have that problem. And I think this is understandable. I, I do the same thing. I'm looking for answers, how-tos, fixes to my problem. But in doing that often, we're putting a Band-Aid on the deeper issues in our lives. And, and what if the answer is not in the how-to guide or the strategy? What if the answer is in, in how you think? In how you think. What if I told you that the direction of your thoughts is going to do more to shape the direction of your life than any strategy or any how-to list that you come across? I want to show you what I mean from Scripture today. And I'm not really talking about some Oprah Winfrey kind of stuff, you know, manifesting stuff with your thoughts. That stuff's unbiblical. It's not Christian to think you can control what happens in this world by just thinking better thoughts about it. But I want to show you today how, how our thinking as Christians can shape the direction of our lives more than any strategy or how-to guide can. You guys ready to jump in today? All right, so we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 1. This is what God's Word says to us. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now, we'll stop there for just a minute. Paul is writing to the church. It was a pretty young church in Colossae. Paul, at this point, was actually in prison. So he's writing this from prison, probably in Rome. And this is around 60 AD. So we're talking 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead. Paul is towards the end of his ministry. And he's writing to this church in Colossae. Now, Colossae wasn't a big city. A lot of where Paul went was, was major cities. But Colossae was a pretty small town. It's about 10 miles away from Laodicea. Some of you will know that name of a town from other parts of the Bible. And so he's writing to this small town. He's never been there as far as we know. And he's writing to them to encourage them in their faith. And this is what he goes on to say. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And the love that you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And about what you have always heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing 
throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also, t- also told us of your love in the Spirit. So I want to stop here again. We're going to keep reading. I think the real meat of what we're going to dig into is these next verses. But he's writing, Paul's, Paul's saying, we've heard of your faith. In other words, Paul doesn't know these people personally. He's never been there, but he's heard about them from Epaphras, who was one of Paul's disciples, it seems like, one of the guys sent out by Paul to do ministry. And it seems like Epaphras has started this church, or at least pastored this church in Colossae, and now has come back and told Paul all about it. Now, he's not just told Paul good stuff, although he's certainly shared some good things, but he's also, it seems like, told him about the challenges the church is facing, and we'll get into those challenges as we go through the book. And so Paul says that, that I'm praying for you. I'm always thanking God for you. So he starts off saying, I'm thanking God for who you are, what you're about. But then the prayer shifts in verse 9. And that's really where we're going to dig in. And this is what he says. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So his prayer is for these people in Colossae, these Christians, normal people living in a small town. His prayer is that that God would fill them up with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. There's there's a lot really packed in here. What's interesting to me is is Paul's prayer, right? Paul, Paul could have prayed any number of things. He could have prayed, Lord, would you bless these people in Colossae with just tremendous wealth? Would you just pour out your financial blessing on them? He doesn't, he doesn't pray that. He, he could pray the Lord would help them in their issues, doesn't, doesn't pray that. Uh, he could have even said to them, I'm not going to pray for you, but would you pray for me because I'm in prison right now? He doesn't say that. What Paul's prayer is, is for them to have the right knowledge, the right way of thinking, so they can have wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit. So his, his focus here is, is on the way they, they think, what they know what they set their mind to. What we're going to see all throughout the book of Colossians is that Paul is so concerned that the Colossians think in the right way and then by thinking the right way, live the right way. And Paul starts off, and this is so interesting, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Paul starts off and he focuses on the spiritual. He doesn't start off with a list of here's how you live, here's how you don't live. He gets to some of that later. He talks about family life and how to make that work and how to make employment work and how to, how to do, and just how, he talks about that stuff. But where he starts is not with the strategy and with the how-tos. Where he starts is with the spiritual. So I want to encourage you today, that if, in your life, start with the spiritual. In your thinking, start with the spiritual. Start off with, with what's in front of you, right? Not that what you're seeing with your eyes, but, but what's in front of you that God has placed there. The truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word. And when he talks about the will of God, he prays that God would fill them up with the knowledge of his will. What he's really praying about there is that they would understand the Bible over and over again. In, in the Bible, when it talks about God's will, it's primarily talking about what God has revealed through his word. When Paul's writing about God's will, he's talking about the word of God, the Bible, right? And so he, he's, he's saying, I want God to fill you with that knowledge. And then he brings together with God's word, the Bible, he brings together the spirit. And so he's praying that God would fill them with knowledge of his word, with help, the wisdom and understanding that the spirit provides. This is a beautiful image 
of what it means to be a Christian, right? To grow in our faith is that, is that we bring together a knowledge of God's word, right? We're reading God's word, we're spending time in it. And we bring that together with the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us wisdom and understanding in the middle of it. And through that then, we're able to grow and become who God wants us to be. So Paul, Paul, listen to this. He starts with the spiritual. So I want to challenge you, right? When we, in our lives, like don't start with the how-to and what do I need to do next? Start with, with getting your knowledge and your focus and your understanding fixed on spiritual things. Because what is spiritual is enduring, it's solid, it's grounded. And what's in front of us is chaotic, it shifts, it's not enduring. In Scotland, back in 2015, there was a, a wedding taking place. A young lady named Grace was getting married. And she's getting married to a guy named Care, I believe is how you pronounce his name. It's, it's Scottish. I, I really don't know for sure. But she was getting married, so her mom, Cecilia, decided to get a wedding dress or a, a mother of the bride dress. You know, that's kind of important. Uh, right now, my mom's getting stuff ready. I have an older brother getting married, and so it's her third time to be a, um, a mother of the groom. And so she's getting her dress ready. So I, I get how all this goes. So Cecilia actually traveled to a boutique over in England to find the, the right dress, and so she found this dress, and she, she took a picture of it and sent it, to, sent it to Grace, the bride. And Grace saw it and said, I don't, I don't think you're really seeing this, right? I don't think you're, you're seeing the right thing here, Mama. I, I don't know. How are you describing this? It doesn't really look that way. And it was kind of interesting to them, and then they went ahead and got married, and, and Cecilia bought this dress and showed up at the wedding, and, and everyone was fascinated because they saw her wearing this dress, but then they saw the picture of the dress, and it looked like two different things. And my guess is you didn't realize it before now, but there's a good chance that you have seen Cecilia's dress, the mother of the bride's dress for the wedding. And here's, here's a picture of it for you, right? And so, so a lot of people see this picture, and I don't know what you see, but a lot of people see this picture, and it looks like it's black and blue, all right? But then some people see this picture, and it looks like it's gold and white. So let's see the picture again. All right, how many people here think this looks black and blue? How many people think it looks gold and white? All right, so this, this picture is fascinating, and I don't know what your perception of it is today, but I remember the first time I saw this picture, because and I had no idea about Cecilia or Grace or the wedding or anything else. All I knew is I was sitting in my dorm room. I was in college. It was senior year. It was a Sunday night, and these guys come rushing in. They show me this picture, and, and they say, what color is this dress? And I'm pretty sure the first thing I saw was white and gold. And so unimpressed, I looked back at them and said, well, it looks white and gold to me. And they just went, they went crazy. They're like, oh, they couldn't believe it. They're like, no, it's black and blue. And I thought they were pull, trying to pull a fast one on me. But, but if you've been through this, you understand that like some people saw one color and some people the other. Now the actual dress, and there's a reality to it, right? The actual dress that exists is black and blue. But a lot of people saw white and gold. And it was a trick of the light and a trick of the picture. But so many things in life are like this dress, Right? You can't tell if, it's, if it looks like this or like this. It's a matter of perspective. You're not sure who's right and who's wrong. You have your opinion, but they have their opinion. And so much of our life is like this. And so often when we're looking for how to fix problems in our lives, you'll get this opinion or that opinion. Here's how you raise your kids. No, here's how you raise your kids. Here's, here's how you should be healthy. No, here's how you should be healthy. Right? All these opinions going around and, and all these thoughts. But when it comes to fixing our lives on something solid and something grounded... We've got to start, listen to this, with the spiritual. We start our lives on what we know to be true because it's found in God's word. And we're given wisdom and understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, as we were finishing up Divine Design, our message series on God's plan for your life, we were talking about using spiritual gifts. And we talked about the, the prophets that God has given the church. 
And I, I really shared that I feel like God is calling our church foundry to, to engage in the prophetic more, that God wants to speak through his people, speak his, his word and his will for our lives through his people, not at the level of scripture, but he wants to speak into our lives. Well, this week, uh, several people I very much trust in this church felt like God shared things with them, right? Shared spiritual insight with them. And I want to share those things with you, but, but I want to let you know the only reason these people were able to hear from God and were able to receive something from him is because they were starting with the spiritual, right? They weren't focusing on strategies. They weren't, weren't focused on how to fix the problems in their lives. They were focusing on God and what he said. And starting at that place changed what they were able to communicate, what they were able to experience. And so one person, I very much trust him on this. He said he started to pray for Vicksburg, right? For Foundry Vicksburg. And he's praying over the church and he started to pray, Lord, would you grow the church? But then he felt like God said, don't do that. He felt like God said, pray that I would be, my spirit would be poured out on Foundry Vicksburg. So he began to pray that. And as he began to pray it, he, he had a, a vision, an image in his mind. He said there's about 30 people gathered together there in the auditorium at Foundry Vicksburg. And, and he saw like metaphorically God's spirit being poured out over those people. And what he said was so beautiful. He said that it, this felt like this, God's spirit being poured out over this group of people. Just the picture felt complete. Like it was everything it was supposed to be, that God was present there. And as people encountered him, and as they were filled more deeply with his spirit, then that's, that's what God wanted, and it was complete. And then, and then, so he shared that with me, right? And then separately, one of the members of our directional leadership team, who I very much trust, shared that as he was praying over Foundry Vicksburg and Foundry Flowood, that he, he really sensed God say something in particular. He sensed... God say, you should help each other reach out and touch heaven. Help each other reach out and touch heaven. And these two things go together, right? Because God's speaking to his people. The, the spirit is bringing wisdom and understanding that's in alignment with his word. As these two people started with what was spiritual, they're able to bring encouragement to us, edify us, and help us understand that God's moving in the spiritual realm in ways we don't always get to see. But we have to seek him. We have to reach out and touch heaven. And so I want to encourage you today that you need to help those around you here at Foundry reach out and touch heaven to experience the presence and the power and the provision of God at work in our lives. So the Holy Spirit's bringing wisdom and understanding. Now, those two words are interesting, right? We're told here, Paul says, that, that he wants these people, the, the Colossian people, to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. And then he talks about wisdom and understanding that comes from the Spirit. Those two words show up elsewhere in the Bible. They show up in kind of some random places with some people you may not know about. So they show up, and this is a little Bible trivia for you. They show up in Exodus chapter 35. Exodus is the story of how God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt and used Moses to lead them out. In Exodus 35, now they're building the tabernacle, which is a, a big tent where they kept the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence. It's where they worshiped God before they had settled down the people of Israel. And he, God, God gives, we're told, his spirit and gives wisdom and understanding. The same words here, gives wisdom and understanding to a guy named Bezalel. Right? What a name. Like You can understand why we don't name kids that biblical name these days. Bezalel. And he was given wisdom and understanding from the spirit, listen to this, to build up the Ark of the Covenant, and to build up the vessels used, and to build up the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit was giving him wisdom and understanding to use his gifts to, to build up this place of worship for God. 
All right, the second place we see wisdom and understanding from the Spirit used is in 1 Kings chapter 7. We're to, this is the part where we're told about Solomon building the temple, right? They moved out of the tabernacle and into the temple. And they're building the temple to God. And it says they bring in a guy named Hiram from Tyre, which is north of Israel. They bring Hiram down. And it says that Hiram had wisdom and understanding from the Spirit. And he was able to, to build these vessels and create these beautiful implements and objects used to worship and serve God there. And so when, when the Colossians are told they're given wisdom and understanding, that wisdom and understanding is to be used for a purpose. Listen, I'm going to show you what happens next. Paul's prayer for them is that they be filled, that God fills them with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And then here's where the payoff comes, verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. All right, so the reason that, that we need to start with the spiritual and focus on the knowledge of the will of God and the wisdom and understanding through the Spirit. The reason we do that is so that we can live lives worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Now, the word for worthy here is axios in the Greek, and what it means is, is to be equivalent to something, to be, to be as heavy as something. And so when we're called to live lives worthy of the Lord, we're being called to live a life that's equivalent to how Jesus lived His life. Right, Lord here is referring to Jesus. You go back to verse 3, it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, there's a, there's the, we're called to live weighty, right, to be able to measure up to who Christ is. This is, a, this is a big calling, that you and I should live our lives like Jesus did, that we should have the same way of living, and we should have the same character, right? We should honor God and honor others, love God and love others in the exact same way Jesus did. And we're told the way we get there is by being filled with the knowledge of the will of God and have wisdom and understanding from the Spirit, right? We have knowledge of God's Word and, and what He wants from His Word, and the Spirit gives us wisdom and understanding. And that kind of life where we start in the spiritual, we don't get caught up originally in all the things around us, but we start with the spiritual, then that actually leads us to live lives that are worthy of the Lord, worthy of Jesus, that, that are equivalent to Jesus's life and that are pleasing to God in every way. Now, may, maybe you're looking at your life and you're thinking, that's, I don't think that's possible. I don't think I can, I can live a life worthy of Jesus. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can live a life that's pleasing to God in every way. But God's word says you can. And the way we do it, right, isn't with a strategy. It's not like go out today and this is all the things Jesus did. You better knock it out. Like I've got a list. And if you don't do the Jesus thing, if you don't heal a man, right, who's crippled today and you don't give sight to a blind man and you don't spit in somebody's eyes so they can see and you don't you know, call someone a brood of vipers today, then you're not living the Jesus life. It's, it's not about the to-do list. It's about being filled with the knowledge of the will of God and having wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit. And as, as you fix your mind in the right place and you focus on the right thing, you start with the spiritual, then God will produce in you this kind of life, a life that's worthy of Jesus. And this, this is what we're, we're told about that kind of life. All right, there's four ways that Paul describes it here. The first is, still in verse 10, bearing fruit. Right? You live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. So one way in which we live out that life is bearing fruit 
right? Showing on the outside what God has done in us. The second way we're told is growing in the knowledge of God. We come back to the knowledge thing, right? Our mind's in the right place. Growing in the knowledge of God. And then verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So we're strengthened by God, by his power and by his might so that we're told we can have endurance which is being able to push through and go through situations. And then we can have patience, which is able to push through and go through what people do in our lives and the people we have to put up with. And God's going to give you strength to do that. And then finally, we're told that we are giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. And so when we, when we start with the spiritual, and, and get our thinking and our mind and our knowledge and our understanding in the right place. And I'm not just talking about head knowledge, right? This is letting the Holy Spirit work through the Word of God and, and focus on the right things. Then the outcome of it on the other side is really big. But you and I, we, we so often, right, go back to the how-tos and the strategies. We start in the wrong place. Instead of starting with being filled with the knowledge of the will of God and wisdom and understanding through the Spirit, we start off with, okay, you know what, I need to, I need to get my habits right. If I, if I can just focus on my habits and get the right habits in place, that's when my life will really start going in the right direction. That's when things will really start happening. That's when I can really follow God like I want to. All right, we just get the habits down. And come on, you've written down lists of things you want to do and what you want to start and when you want to start it and the goals you want to hit. And then you forget that list and you start a new list and you have another list, right? And then you forget that list. And then you start a list on your phone this time so you don't forget it. But then you get a new phone and you haven't done the things. And your whole strategy is, if I can just get the habits down, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen. I, I know this because I've, I've done that. I think many of us would try another approach. We say, man, if I can just get my mental health right. I mean, how many of us right, are wrestling with anxiety and depression, wrestling with a sense of worthlessness, wrestling maybe even with suicidal ideation. You're, you're wrestling with these things, and you think, man, if I could just get my mental health right, that's when my life will really take off. But it's interesting, right? We're in a culture that focuses more on our mental health than ever before, and yet that focus on our mental health never seems to get us through to the other side. What if the answer is not to primarily or exclusively focus on your mental health. But what if it's to start with the spiritual? And yeah, then you go to counseling, right? Get the help you need, but to start with the spiritual, to start with viewing reality like it really is. Not to get caught up in, in arguing over what, what color the dress is, right? The perspective and the perception. and like, But starting with the spiritual, starting with what God has said is true. Not starting with where we're at, where you're at with mental health or your need for counseling, whatever it is. But start with the spiritual. What does God say about reality and about you? And start there, and then from there, right, seek, seek health in the ways he's called you to. I think many of us try to start with our physical, our physical health, our relational health. But when you start with those things, what we're dealing with is the symptoms of much deeper issues. And, and the knowledge of God's will through his word and wisdom and understanding through his spirit, right? Those things come together, and those give us deeper answers to the existential problems and issues and realities of our lives. They speak truth to us. So I want to challenge you, right? Start with the spiritual. If it was good enough for Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's good enough for me and for you. Now, now maybe you're thinking, and this is a good question, what, is it, what would it look like to start with the spiritual? 
Well, on the one hand, it means spending time in God's Word. This is why at Foundry we have the one-year Bible. It's a, it's a Bible reading plan. I encourage you to grab one and start today on it, right? Start reading October 15th. Start reading today and read through it with your church family. It just gives you a couple chapters each day to read and a place to journal. And that would be a way of starting with the spiritual, saying, I'm going to plant my life on God's Word. I'm going to fix it on what He has said before anything else. Another way is to is to pray to God every day and ask for the Spirit's wisdom and understanding of how to live and how to operate in this world. So those are both great places to start, but I want to focus you in even on something in this passage. Just a couple of verses we started reading but haven't finished yet. So verse 12, it, Paul talks about giving joyful thanks to the Father. And listen to this. We start with the spiritual. right? We start with the spiritual. We give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. When we start with the spiritual, we remember that the Father, right, has qualified us, not because of anything we've done, but he has chosen us and qualified us for this inheritance that he has. And we share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. What have we done to deserve this? Nothing. But he qualifies us to share in an inheritance, which means, look, we start with the spiritual. So whatever you're going through in the, in the natural realm, in the physical realm, does not have the same power, weight, or enduring significance of the reality of God's qualified us to share in an inheritance. Even if everything goes wrong with the rest of your life, and the rest of your life is just a failure and miserable and terrible, you, if you are a follower of Jesus, have been qualified to share in the inheritance of God's holy people in the kingdom of light. We start with the spiritual, and we plant our lives on the spiritual realities. We start with the spiritual. Listen to this, verse 13. For he, that's the Father, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. God has rescued us. And he's describing actual realities here. He's not just using figurative language. We have been saved from the dominion of darkness. This world that we live in, the Bible teaches, is under the power and control of a powerful spiritual being named Satan. And he's not nearly as powerful as God. In fact, God is infinitely more powerful than him. But we are in a kingdom of darkness, a dominion of darkness. And that's what we're born into. And only by being saved by God out of that can we step into the kingdom of the beloved son. We've been rescued. And here's what I know about being rescued. You don't forget being rescued very quickly. Like when, when you've truly been rescued, you remember that moment. Years ago, I was, I was probably about five years old. I was canoeing with a group on the Pearl River. I was wearing a life jacket, being safe, and we stopped at a sandbar. And, and I remember this moment so clearly because some of the adults were over there getting the fish ready. They were scaling the fish, getting ready to fillet the fish that we had caught. And I remember being there. I was, I was in the water, and I could stand in the water fine. And I saw my brother and a few of the friends that were a little bit further away. And so I went to go join them. But when I went to go join them, there was, the bottom dropped out. I didn't realize they were treading water, and I couldn't swim yet. And so I went out to join them, and suddenly I just went under the water. I just was under, and, and I couldn't do anything. I was struggling. And at the time, I didn't realize that there were people around. I was going to be okay. All I knew is, is I couldn't swim, and I couldn't get air, and I couldn't get up. And it probably was just a few seconds, probably just 10, 15, 20 seconds. But it felt like forever of me struggling and flailing and feeling like I was about to die. I don't even know if I would have had the, the language or concept of death, but, but I was feeling that. And then somebody grabbed me 
and pulled me up and slapped me on the back and I coughed up some water and I was, I was okay. But as a kid, that was a, a terrifying experience. And, and to this day, right, there's a lot of days when I was five that I've forgotten, but I haven't forgotten that day because I was rescued. And listen, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, have been rescued by our heavenly father. You've been transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of God's son whom he loves. And we live in that kingdom now. And it's not fully here yet. It won't be fully here yet until eternity. But we live in that kingdom now. And you have been rescued. And so we start with the spiritual, right? When you wake up, you fix your mind on that. I've been rescued. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. And you walk in that reality. And as you walk in that reality, it shapes the rest of your life. Right? You're filled with the knowledge of the will of God and you have wisdom and understanding from the Spirit so you can live your life in a way that's worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him in everything. The final thing we're told here, right? we start with the spiritual. We're told that there's this Son, we're in the kingdom of the Son that the Father loves, in whom, in the Son, we have redemption. That's language used of someone who's in slavery and has been brought out of slavery. We've been brought out of slavery. If, you're, if you are here today and a follower of Jesus, you haven't just been rescued. You, your life hasn't just been saved spiritually, but you've been brought out of slavery. You've been freed. You've been redeemed. And we have the forgiveness of sins. And so when we, when we start with the spiritual, look, Paul does it here. And Paul wants us in our minds and our lives to start with the spiritual. It's going to radiate out through everything else that happens. And so I want to challenge you, right? We're not following a to-do list. We're not just checking things off. We're not just trying to do all the right steps. There's no strategy here. What we're doing is we're fixing our heart and our mind on what God has said in his word. And we're fixing our lives on what the spirit brings into our lives through wisdom and understanding. So if you're here today, I want to challenge you not, not to focus on strategies primarily, not to get caught up in what you see visually around you, although all of that matters, but to start with the spiritual. And what Paul shows us here, and he's going to show us throughout the rest of the book of Colossians, when we start with the spiritual, we start with what God has done for us, we start with what God's will is, we start with the wisdom and understanding the Spirit brings that shapes everything around us shapes how we live our lives. It shapes how we interact with our family members. It shapes who we are. It shapes the desires we have. When we start with the spiritual, it shapes everything around us. So I want us as a church today to, to be able to take a few minutes here as we prepare to wrap up. And I want us to focus on the spiritual together, to focus on the fact that we have been rescued by a Father who loves us. He has qualified us for an inheritance in the kingdom of light. He's rescued us by taking us from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And in, in that son, in Jesus, we have redemption. We've been freed from our slavery and we have forgiveness from our sins. And so whatever else you have going on in your life, set that aside for a minute and let's just focus together on what God has done. So I wanna invite you right now just to open up your heart as we get ready to respond together to what Jesus has done for us. So I want to invite you just to, just to quiet your heart, to, to open yourself up and just say, just acknowledge, like we're told here to give thanks to the Father for what he has done. So just give thanks to him right now in your heart. Just thank him for freeing you and setting you at liberty from all that's held you back, for transferring you from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved Son. And I just want to pray over us as we give thanks to God together today. Father, we honor and worship you.
We thank you for all that you have done for us. And Lord, so many times we want to focus on the things around us, the strategies, the ways to, to deal with life. But before any of that, we want to focus ourselves on your will. We want to focus ourselves on the wisdom and understanding you can bring. Father, would you help us not to get caught up in the things of this world, but to fix our eyes on you, to fix our hearts on you, to start with the spiritual. Help us to lay aside the distractions and all the things to clamor that clamor for our attention and just listen to you, allow your spirit to work in us and work through us. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.